This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Lots of stuff to talk about tonight with my uh, co-host, John LaRocca. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just ready to record and talk about the news. Gosh, there's so much stuff to talk about. And, you know, this is Royal Rumble weekend, so we're going to preview the Rumble and then we're going to talk about uh, we're going to do our review of the th- very uh, the third episode of Monday Night Raw, and in within that is we kind of have to talk about the rumble that that was uh, going on at that time from 1993. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We won't go over it in super detail, but it sort of sets the stage for what's about to happen with WWE. So we'll go through all that stuff, but we also have to uh, talk about the UFC. They ran some show. They ran their first show on ESPN and ESPN Plus, and it was a major success. Um, and also, you and I went to see Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner in the theater. We went to a movie theater to watch that fight. So uh, we'll get to that in a second. But the first thing I want to talk about this is just kind of like a plug. Uh, Duan and I, I had Duan on the show. Uh, about a week and a half ago, and we talked about Pacquiao Broner and a lot of the boxing stuff. But um, one thing that Duan and I have to do is we'd started a, a podcast called The Fabulous Four, and the idea behind that podcast was to discuss every single fight between uh, Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Roberto Duran. Like, they fought each other, like, a bunch of times together, and so uh, there's a great book about it, and, and we just kind of dug in, you know, every biography and all the research and stuff. And so basically where we left off is uh, we left off at the very last fight, which is the third fight between Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. And uh, we are sort of getting back into that and going to do that episode, and then probably we'll do an epilogue just to kind of finish off the series. But if you are interested in that era of boxing... Um, on the website, on fightgameblog.com, I have a section for the Fabulous Four, and you can find all of the podcasts there that we've done, and also all of the supplemental uh, blog posts that I that I wrote, including uh, sort of a, a score, like we, we watched every fight, obviously, and for all the fights that did not uh, end in a knockout, uh, and actually did go the distance. We scored every fight. And so, you know, we took a really deep look at that stuff. And there's other there's other uh, fights that, that are kind of, you know, in between, you know, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard fighting Tommy Hearns. Like there's a there's a fight where or there's a card where both of them fight. I, I, I wouldn't call them jobbers, but guys that they were expected to beat, which sets up their fight in 1981. So there's stuff like that where we have all kinds of like supplemental information. So check that out. We will be back. Hopefully, uh, within the next couple weeks, we'll have the podcast, uh, ready and end up, uh, at least the, the Duran Leonard three. So I just wanted to let people know that we are going to finish that series. 
and uh and and you know get get through all that and then maybe do some other stuff around boxing once we get that done but that's just sort of a heads up for that um to keep it on the boxing tip john we saw manny pacquiao and adrian broner at the movie theater that's that's the only the second time i've actually seen a boxing event at a movie theater and it's actually pretty cool to see that to see a fight on the big screen with the crowd and with the fans uh, how did, did did you enjoy seeing it like that uh, as far as, you know, just being on the big screen and and not being in front of your TV? Yeah, I loved it. It got me uh, into the fight even more. And it was fun hearing all the Filipino fans of Manny Pacquiao <laughs> when he was on the offense. But, uh, yeah, you know, anytime a boxing match is in a movie theater or an MMA fights at a movie theater, I definitely want to make uh, plans to go because it was a lot of fun and, and it wasn't too expensive and and like it's a good time out so i'm glad i went so that went head up with the ufc show on espn plus and i mean you know they probably slightly hurt each other by doing that but the ufc show is very successful and from what i read today uh, the expectation is that the the pay-per-view for pacquiao broner did over four hundred thousand buys which is a, a pretty good number um, and also, you know, being that you and I saw it at a theater, I, I'm sure that they, they did some pretty decent business for all the theaters that they did. And it, you know, in a sense, it's kind of interesting because when you do something like, uh, let's say Mayweather and McGregor and you want to do it at a theater, right? You're, you already know that you're going to do over a million buys, probably over a million and a half buys. And if you're, you know, and if all things are right, two million buys. And so when you do that kind of business, you can afford to have people go, oh, I don't want to pay the hundred bucks. I'm going to pay 20 bucks instead and go to the theater. What's interesting is knowing that the Pacquiao fight was not, let's say, a million dollar, you know, a million buy pay-per-view fight to put it in a theater. It take it probably, you know, if they didn't have it in the theaters, they maybe they do another 50 thousand uh you know pay-per-view buys instead of having it at the theater but you know that's i think it's a it's a great option right it's a great if for for folks who don't want to pay 75 dollars because it's a high price tag and at four hundred thousand pay-per-view buys they made a lot of money on that fight but i it's it's a a little bit of like maybe taking away from that bottom line in order to pacify a fan base that you know maybe maybe doesn't want to spend as much money uh, on that fight as they as they have on bigger fights of the past. Yeah, I wonder how much does it, like like does Fandango pay a certain amount to get the broadcaster rights for it? They must, right? So how much is that money that they get? Right. So I mean, I mean it's profitable for sure. I mean, I, I mean I was talking to a coworker and he was at a theater. Um, in Santa Clara, which is like, you know, ten to twelve minutes away from San Jose, not. But he said it was jam packed. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, for the Pacquiao and Broner fight. So, so I, yeah, I think they really did well. Def, all all the cause all the cause country for this fight because, uh, you know, Pacquiao has that that fan base that's so passionate, and it was just fun being in in that audience with those fans and just like it was, you know, Pacquiao would just you know he's not connecting. He's throwing. People are still just, just going crazy. <laughs> so it was, it was cool. Yeah, it, it, to the point of like, 
I think I looked at you at one point and I was like, oh man, like this is, <laughs> this is even, even more of a, of like that fan base than I even realized that, you know, I don't, it was like the first round or something. And, and what, what, uh, what you said is, is, is right on the money, which is like, if you, let's say that you buy the fight at your home and maybe you invite like five people over or 10 people over half of the people are just there to kind of hang out. Right. It's like a Saturday night. What are we going to do on a Saturday night? And you know, a few of them are, are, are really into it, but to be at a theater where, you know, it's about seven, I, I don't know. I pegged it at about 70% full and like, everybody there is so into it. That was really cool. And and I think what it showed me is um, I kind of want to do it again. Like a lot of these premier boxing championship uh, pay-per-views, if they continue to do them at these, fa- you know, what is it? What are they called? Fa- phantom events or whatever. If they continue to do them, you know, rather than pay the 75 bucks, unless it's a big fight, and, and, you know, like Mayweather Pacquiao and where, you know, you're going to get like a ton of people who want to watch it. I'm down to go to the theater. And, you know, we, we didn't even get there. We barely got there for even the semi main. And even though we only saw two fights, it was well worth the 20 bucks. So, I, I mean, I would say for anybody even, you know, who's even has somewhat of an interest in this stuff, it's 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 worth the 20 bucks to see it. So hopefully we'll be able to do it again, maybe for the Errol Spence and, and Mikey Garcia fight. Uh, but yeah, really cool and, and just a fun atmosphere. Uh, and I talked to somebody else, uh, I think it's actually on Twitter. Uh, one of the guys who, uh, is a part of the, uh, F4W convention. I, I, I forget, I actually forget his first name because I only know him by his nickname, which is, uh, oh, actually, no, I know his first name is Kirk. Uh, but Brian Alvarez, when he saw him, because he's he's from Canada, he called him Young Stewart, <laughs> and so his Twitter name is Kirk Stew. But he he told me that he saw it with uh, at actually at a bar with a heavy uh, Filipino fan base, and he said he had a blast. The bar was like super packed. It was so pro Pacquiao. That kind of stuff is so fun, you know. As long as everyone's there to have fun, it it could be it could be a ton of fun. So. I would I would suggest people go you know give it a shot you know if if you haven't done it before uh, like you know like we did so um, to kind of uh, segue into the UFC thing I, I mentioned it did you uh, I know that you kind of decided at some point Saturday you're like oh, I'm gonna you know I'm just gonna give in and get ESPN Plus uh, and you paid the five or six bucks or whatever it was. And then, you know, while we were at the mall, before we were even ready to watch the uh, the boxing fight, you just threw it up on your phone, like, while we were, while I was eating, and uh, we got to watch uh, Rachel Ostevich and Paige. Like, that's kind of a cool thing, and, and you know, not to say that uh, that's the reason why having fights on ESPN Plus is cool, but it is, it is something that, uh, you know, you can, you can sort of go this this sort of makes it worth the value is i was away from my house and at them all and i really wanted to see this fight and i just pulled it up on my phone like that was a pretty cool experience yeah no it's a cool app too it's uh like really clear the, the quality i was watching the boxing uh event the night before and i just threw it up started watching at work the last like hour of the day i threw it up on there and uh, then, then I continue to you know follow it about the 
out the evening to the heavyweight fight, and it was like just really clear. Everything was really crisp, and I was really impressed by the quality. Yeah, and it was cool that we just threw it up right up the, to check out that fight, and uh, that was a pretty fun fight too as well between uh, Paige and uh, Rachel. Uh, did you did you throw it up on your Apple TV as well? Um, I have not done that yet. I was gonna watch, but I, you know, it's hard for me to watch rewatch fights that I already know the result of. Yeah. You know? And so I was gonna watch the TJ Dillashaw Henry Cejudo fight, but I was like, man, it's only thirty seconds. So I already seen the highlight of it. So it's yeah. like, what what more do I need to do? So um, I'm just kind of keeping tabs and stuff, see what's coming up on ESPN. I know there's a bunch of UFC shows are coming up like almost every week or something like that soon. So, you know, I'm looking for that and looking for top rank boxing stuff. So I'll, I'll definitely get use out of it. You know what else you may find compelling is the, just the entire library of the 30 for 30 stuff. There is uh, they started putting a lot of the 30 for 30s as like ESPN plus exclusives. There's one that I just have not found find the time to uh, found the time to watch yet. But it's one on Junior Seau, which looks really interesting and just kind of oh, like the, the end of his life, right? Like that whole story. So th- there's there's that as well and uh, tons of stuff on ESPN+. Plus. I just wish I had the time to sit there and watch it. But um, I'm, I'm interested to know what you think about the app because I don't like the navigation of the app because there's a, uh, there's a basketball series. Um, I think it's called Love of the Game or – something love of basketball or something like that and it's basically a 20 hour documentary on the history of the nba and on uh you know there's college stuff and olympic stuff as well and i try watching it through the app but it's like it's it's a really weird navigation experience so i didn't like that part of it um as far as like just being able to like log in and pull up a fight like that's really easy so that's actually really good but yeah you know next time you check it out let me know and maybe we can talk about it here but i'd be interested to know what you think about just the whole navigation aspect of it because and and that's kind of like a segue into what the other thing i wanted to ask you about was you know how to navigate you know how to use this stuff but last week I talked about, you know, how my dad, you know, I'm trying to get him to sort of learn how to use this stuff. Do you think that it was easy enough to pull up to where someone like, you know, if your dad was a huge MMA or boxing fan, like, would he be able to use this thing? And do you think that folks are going to embrace the uh, the ESPN plus aspect of this deal with uh, UFC and ESPN? <laughs> no, I don't think I think the older crowd is going to have a hard time with it. Um it, if it's going on live, though, it is on the main page. Yeah. But you also got to teach the older generation that when you click on the app, you're on the ESPN app. You got to click on the ESPN plug right. folder, and that's what brings you to ESPN Plus. I can see a lot of people getting frustrated looking for it and can't find it. And it's like, now you got to click on the ESPN, ESPN Plus, then it you know transfers you over, just like the uh, WWE app, right? And the WWE Network apps that. Uh, um, other than that, it's pretty, once you get there, I, I find it pretty easy. Um, there's a whole like you know UFC section building up to Zahudo Dillashaw fight, right? But like each each thing, be it a weigh in or an interview or whatever, all have the same graphic. Yeah, 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 totally. And it's kind of like it kind of looks bush league still, in my opinion. You know, like. 
I think they have, should have separate graphics just so it's, you know, get you like, oh, I want to see the way in. There's a way. There's a picture of a way in. You know what I mean? Boom, boom, boom. So you know what you're looking at. I mean, I know it says there, but you know how people are just visual and they want to click right away. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that I would change. Uh, same thing with the top rank boxing uh, fight I watched. Um, instead of like putting the main event on like a graphic of the main event, like they just basically showed like a, an arena distance with the, with the ring in the far in the far ground, like that could be anything, right? So I think something to make it a little more pop out of you to click on if you if you don't know what you're looking for. So. No, I think you're right on the money with that. Now I have both the Amazon Fire Stick and I have the uh, the Apple TV version of the CSPN plus and on the Amazon fire stick, the thing that I couldn't figure out and I accidentally clicked on the wrong one was the Spanish broadcast versus the English broadcast. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I'm just clicking on the first one. Why? When I clicked on the first one, was it the Spanish broadcast instead? Like that was That's kind fun. of a weird experience. Yeah. I have to play around with my, on my Apple TV. Cause I downloaded on Apple TV. I just have to play around with it. I haven't really, um, I definitely want to watch the next event on it and watch on the big screen. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we are going to talk a whole lot about WWE. It's going to be a WWE weekend. There, you know, there's also a Bellator show. Are you are you interested in this Bellator show at all? I mean, you get a Fedor against Ryan Bader in the in the finals of the Grand Prix for the heavyweights. You know, there's an Aaron Pico fight. Like, is this even on your radar at this point? I'm definitely going to tape it. Is Swagger on this show? Jack Swagger's on the show. Jake Hager. Is he on the main card? He must be, right? I, I think so. I think so. stupid not to put him on the main card for his debut. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely going to tune in. I mean, you got Pigo fighting. I like watching him fight. And, you know, Bader, Fedor, that's, that's, that's a really good, interesting fight. Um, so, yeah, definitely check it out. There's also a Thurman boxing match. Yeah, that, that's the other thing, which is uh, the, j- there's uh, Jamie Mungia on DAZN on Saturday night. And Keith Thurman against Josecito Lopez. Duin and I talked a little bit about this uh, on the podcast that I did with him a week, uh, a week and a half ago, which you can find uh, on the SoundCloud channel, soundcloud.com front slash fight game blog. So my first priority will be, you know, takeover, of course. Then follow that would be Bellator and then the Thurman fight. So I just hope I don't get spoiled a lot of stuff. That's the only thing that sucks about downloading this ESPN app because I keep getting all these. You get all the notifications. Yeah, so I'm trying to like hide certain ones, but I don't know, man. It's gonna be a pain in the ass. <laughs> I hate being spoiled, especially on the real fights. Because once the real, once I once I hear the, hear the result, it's like it's hard to watch it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, okay, so before we get into the, all of this WWE stuff with uh, Royal Rumble and Takeover, and then our, our review of Raw, um, the other question I had for you was and and probably no other podcast is going to talk about this but uh the reason i'm bringing it up is because you have you have some uh experience in, in booking this guy which is the news out today was that alexander hammerstone is going to be working with mlw and i know that you were very high on him right near the end of the premiere days uh, i i believe and 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 you're still pretty high on him what do you think about mlw picking him up I think it was a smart move. We talked about um, MLW and how they're going to, you know, navigate through these rough waters of this big, big money of, you know, WWE, uh, AEW's money behind them, Sinclair behind ROH, like signing talent. So 
you know, finding these guys doing their homework, a guy like Hammerstone, who's been under the, been under the radar, which, you know, he's really, he's really talented. He's changed his look up. He's, he's evolved. He, which I like, I like the fact that he's, uh, changing things up. Um, he's a really good guy. Like a pleasure to work with at premiere when I had him there. Um, always gave you a hundred percent and just a good guy to have around. So, I think it's just a really good investment from by MLW, and that's the thing. They gotta go out and find these guys that are just kind of under the radar of the AEWs and ROHs, and then you know sign them to these contracts and then build around them. Uh, I mean, the guy is like he has a shredded body, so he he stands out when you do see him, um, and and uh, I think it's. It, it, uh, I guess, I guess what I would like to see, like, you know, court style with with MLW is a really, really super fast paced show, and uh, having having a young guy, I wonder how he will bring him in and how he will start him out, um, you know, as a as a as a younger guy. Like, does he come in and is does he does he you know just in some in some like lower level matches early on and he gets gets a chance to stand out or does he come in and like get some early wins and is kind of like this like new guy like that that's that's kind of what i'm interested in in how they will use him because uh i mean he's pretty unknown right he's unknown to that broad audience yeah i mean the, the best thing to do in my opinion is have him come in and beat a couple job guys on tv and just you know for a good three to four weeks and then eventually give him a little tougher competition so definitely give him some promos do some vignettes maybe before he debuts that, that'd be nice um so you know get creative with it but uh, uh definitely do some vignettes i think that i like to see mlw do a little more of the more of those they do some really cool backstage stuff um they usually they, they use what they have well but uh, I like to see the up, get up there vignette production and and Hammerstone be a big guy, man. you know, a, a vignette with a promo, you know, mm-hmm. a little about himself, and then for for two weeks, and then for three more weeks later he debuts and and he beats some lower end talent. I mean, it's such a simple thing, but it's simple because it, it's it works. It always works, right? Um, I was just watching this. This is kind of someone on 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 uh, Twitter. You know, there's a recent match on 205 Live, Grand Man Elite, or maybe it's 205 or Raw, whatever. He won with a uh, the twisting backbreaker, the Lucha Libre backbreaker, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh wow, I can't believe this is a finish." And it's like anything could be a finish as as you just get it over, right? As you keep having a guy win, win, win with it, it gets over, and it's, and it's simple, simple stuff like that. Simple stuff like that still works in wrestling, and people tend to overthink things way, way, way too much. Yeah. And so, like, a guy like Hammerstone, just keep it simple. I mean, show a vignette. Show his great look. He has an awesome look. And and then finally have him beat some guys. It's as it's, it's, it's simple as that. So before we talk about or preview uh, Rumble and, and a little bit of TakeOver, because I, I don't watch the NXT weekly TV, unfortunately. I wish I wish I did. Just one of the things that I kind of am not able to get to. get to. But do you remember, like, some of the Royal Rumbles that were your favorites as you were, you know, you were growing up? Or, or even, you know, even just watching them now. But, um, but 
you know, there there are some some rumbles that, that definitely stand out and others that are like really bad. Like the one that we're about to talk about is probably <laughs> the worst one ever. But, um, you know, what, which ones stand out to you? Well, you know, 89 for sure. The first pay-per-view one definitely stands out because, I mean, it wasn't the best. I mean, Big John Studd won it. And, but, you know, it had like this really good, really big beginning. The, I mean, the entrance of just the, the, the beginning, too, of Axe versus Smack, I thought that, that was so awesome. And then, um, you know, 89, 89, I mean, 90 was fun. That was a lot of fun, plus you know that big moment Warrior and Hogan hook it up in the middle. Yep. Um, anything leading up to '93, I really enjoy. '92, um, of course, the Ric Flair. That's probably the the, the best, right? Um, most memorable for sure. Um, anything else that kind of sticks out in, the, in more recent time? I, I guess the uh, um, Brock Lesnar winning Rumble because mm-hmm. that first half of it is just so fast and action packed. And then I did enjoy the Chris Benoit winning of the Rumble. I thought that was well, really well done. Um, other than that, nothing really sticks out. I mean, there's been some performances I remember, like you know, of course, the Shawn Undertaker, you know, finale between those two. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Rumble was just definitely a lot of fun. But uh, in recent, most recent, most recently, and nothing really is really stand out. And uh, other than like being disappointed, like the Alberta Del Rio winning the Santino Morello, like just basically a, one big comedy, you know, for yeah. an hour. And, uh, yeah. So those are the ones. So, yeah. uh, last year was the very first time that they did, uh, a women's Royal rumble, uh, at the same, on the same show as, as the men's Royal rumble. And I think that show in of itself is pretty memorable because it's Rhonda's debut. Rhonda doesn't actually wrestle, but she comes out, um and and she watches you know the match uh the women's rumble in of itself won by asuka is kind of like it's not like i wouldn't say it was a great match but there was a certain you've got sort of like this cool feeling wow this is like a first time it feels a little special and the men's rumble i thought was kind of cool booked as like the the old guys versus the sort of the newcomers you know uh and so that that was actually pretty cool as well but uh I think it was two years ago. I wrote, uh, a, I wrote uh, for for the thirtieth anniversary of the Royal Rumble. I wrote my, I just basically ranked all of them, so one through twenty nine essentially, <laughs> uh, and and the worst one was nineteen ninety three, which we're going to talk about, you know, in probably you know a few, probably ten minutes or whatever, but. I, lo- I looked at this list again, and I was like, wow, you know, I, I, I can't even remember how I ranked these exactly outside of 1992, which is obviously the best one ever. But so I, I have the list here, um, and number five is the one that you mentioned with, with uh, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker basically having a match after they're, the, you know, they're, a set, they're the two last guys in this, show, in, this, uh, in this match, and then they should decide to have like a... I don't know how long it was, but it was like a a, a wrestling match, a really good wrestling match, and uh, that kind of set the stage for what they would do several years later with um you know with with Michaels and Undertaker having those matches on back to back WrestleManias, which are you know two of the top five or six WrestleMania matches of all time. So that was number five. Uh, number four would have been ninety seven, which is uh. 
technically the very first of Stone Cold Steve Austin's three Rumble wins, but he actually cheats to win this one. Bret Hart tosses him out, and then the referees are... I forget who the referees are dealing with on the other side, but they're all dealing with this one thing, and Austin sneaks back under the under the ropes and, and tosses uh, Bret out to win the match. Uh, but this is... A, w- 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 what a great Final Four here. You have Vader and The Undertaker, which are, you know, they're top guys, uh, uh, along along with Brett and Austin. And Fake Diesel is also in, in the end here. <laughs> so, Kane, so Kane, uh, you know, Kane, who is a, a, a Royal Rumble uh, all-star, generally, he, he was he was there here as well. Um, and so then uh, in my third favorite is uh, 2004. So that's the one that you also mentioned, which is the Chris Benoit masterpiece. Like it, it is really the match which sets him up as like we gotta we we gotta make this guy like a contender, and we gotta show fans that he's like the best wrestler in the entire company. And I, you know, it was great. You had Big Show, Jericho, Benoit, Kurt Angle at the end. Like talk about you know at least three out of those final four are just amazing wrestlers. And the Big Show obviously is you know he's he's built for this kind of match. So I thought that was really good. And then number two, my number two was the 2001 Royal Rumble where you're just talking like Austin, Rock. Um, I think I think tr- does Triple H like interfere at some point in this match somewhere? Yeah, I remember. It's yeah, been a long he, time. yeah, because I think Triple H is in is in the title match on that show. Or something. I forget exactly what happens, but it's like Triple H and Kurt Angle or something like that. But uh, Triple H interferes because uh, Austin interfered in his match with Kurt Angle. And it's just like, you know, that is the end of the run, right? 2001 is the end of like their humongous run uh, of that era, of that attitude era. And it just the it just felt like the star power. Everything just was was like right on the money. And so, uh, and so Austin, uh, and and whenever you get Austin Rock, right? They're like the last two guys. Uh, no, actually, it's Austin and Kane are the last two guys. But Rock's in the final four. And uh, you know, whenever those, whenever you know, you have the two biggest stars in like the last twenty years, like they're, that, that's going to be great. And then obviously, number one is is Ric Flair. Man. So uh, if you if you are interested in seeing my rankings uh, as as of two years ago. Um, I will link one of these in the show notes so uh, that that you could check it out. But I'm a bit, uh, su- I'm a bit surprised you didn't rank 99 the worst. Uh, oh, worst. it's second worst okay. for sure. I, the, I would if I would make, had if I was to make a list. No, actually, that would be, it, that it's would be my uh, last one for sure. So I had it as the third worst actual match. I had 89 as the second worst actual match, though. Like you said, it, it's the, it was sort of special because it was the first uh, pay-per-view. But uh, the problem with this match is just like, I mean, when you have Martel, Akeem, DiBiase, and John Studd as your <laughs> final four, you're just like, okay, so you're telling me Hogan and Savage and like Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels and Warrior, like all those guys are not in this match, like... And this is your final four. That's the problem with it. But you know, it yeah. it, it, it it has it, it also it, the brainbusters. You know, they're they're in the match, and they they weren't in any of the uh, other other ones. So that's kind of cool. It definitely drops off once Hogan eliminates Savage, and all that stuff happens, and they start arguing, and 
you know, once that ha- once that happens, the match just definitely goes down to like a screech halt, I guess, you know, when all the lumbering guys start coming in. But memorable because when I was a kid, my friend taped it. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, can, I, can I borrow that? Yeah, sure. And I never gave it back. I just watched, kept watching it. <laughs> <laughs> It was like one of my first wrestling tapes, basically, you know, like that I owned, which I, which I borrowed that became mine. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what like when I when I was putting this list together, I think what I realized is, as much as I look forward to this match, it's like I mean, it's you know, Russell, everyone loves WrestleMania, but I think I look forward more to this match than just about any other match for WWE every year because it kind of sets the stage for everything. And more often than not, the match in of itself is either average or below average. But when it's good, it could be really good. Mm-hmm. And, and it almost sort of like tells you because, you know, I now 92, they kind of, you know, that's WrestleMania eight. And, you know, they don't do Flair and Hogan, which is, you know, they have their reasons or, or, or whatever. But that wasn't a super hot WrestleMania. But like 2001, like great Rumble, great WrestleMania. 2004, great Rumble, great WrestleMania. Um, you know, 97, great Rumble. Not a great WrestleMania, but friggin' Austin and, and Bret Hart as like one of the greatest matches of all time for WWE. Like, so I think it sort of sets the tone of like, where where things are going so if you have a really good rumble and it's really interesting and there's star power and everything it kind of sets the stage for for what you what you're looking for at wrestlemania which leads us to this year's royal rumble and my biggest issue with this year's royal rumble is that the star power is really low now has a lot of good wrestlers that i that i want to see um you know guys like andrade and drew mcintyre who are are kind of like you know, they're they're sort of uh, at least McIntyre. He he's got a little bit of of momentum, but because uh, you know because the the ratings and and everything and just wrestling is just uh, at least WWE is just so cold. Like he doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But they, a lot of guys that I really like watching wrestle, but man, the star power is so low on this show. Especially now that John Cena is not going to be in the Rumble. Uh, at least that's what WWE is saying. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like I was, I just looked at the list and I was like, man, they, they I really hope they have some surprises. They're going to have to bring in some NXT guys, but just on the name of like, cause you remember those old videos and, and they would do the, the 30 second promos for each guy. Oh, and yeah. The last one is like Hogan. And you're like, ah, oh, you know, this, that's the top guy. He's in this match. It's, you know, it's slim pickings for this one. Yeah. It's because the way WWE is. Where they book their guys, they're all kind of all in the even, even field, you know. So no one really sticks out. So yeah, I mean, a lot of talent in there, but like nothing gets your like your juices flowing, you know. Like oh, I can't wait to see this this guy in there versus this guy in there. So, um, I'm, I hope they kind of you know kind of going back to talk about you know how Shawn Michaels Undertaker had that long match. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be really entertaining if, because uh, I think Seth is going to win it. Seth Rollins is going to win the, the Rumble. I think you have Seth and just Rey Mysterio just have a, just a good like five to six minute just action packed match. The final, I think that'd be really cool. That would be great. I, I'd be for that. You know, 
when I look at the roster, I look at someone like Mustafa Ali and go, okay, like he's a really good wrestler. He's uh, they're they're pushing him a little bit, and he could be like in the final four. But to the fan that watches maybe four WWE shows every year, maybe five, they're gonna look at Mustafa Ali and go, who the heck is this guy? Yeah, he's oh. in there to take. I think he's in there mainly to take a wild bump out of the ring because he's done that just in his record matches. So I can imagine him being shut off the top rope and taking that back bump right into the into the guardrail that he's done or something crazy. So I expect that from him. Um, I'm sure if Kofi's in there, I'm sure he's going to do some kind of unique way not to be eliminated. So that's going to happen. The Kofi spot, mm-hmm. that's that we call it. Um, so it's always cool to see who the Iron Man is. I used to love that, you know, every Rumble to find out who the Iron Man is. So, um, but I, I think it's going to be Seth. Like I said, I like to see him versus someone that's going to have an exciting match with him at the end and make it like a memorable Rumble. And I think Ray would be fantastic because he's been looking really, really good on SmackDown and and uh, with his series with the with Andrade Cien Almas and we're just Andrade now. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> I got just got that memo for the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, just, I was just thinking like, you know, one raw guy versus SmackDown guy. And I think that'd be an exciting finale. What did you think of the Ray and Andrade match from this week's SmackDown? I, I saw the last week match and I thought it was, you know, it was four stars, three and three quarter stars, four stars, a really, really fun match. How was this? The two out of three falls. Um, it was, it was good. Um, to me, it just felt like they were just trying to do as many crazy moves as possible. Um, there was one spot that I think is like the coolest thing I've ever seen in a match. Um, it was, uh, on, he can only do this with Ray or like a Marco stunt, but like, you know, Ray was in position to get the Frankenstein off the top rope on Andrade. And then, you know, he's going to power bomb reverse and power bomb right on the second. But he jumped, he steps to the top rope and does like a super power bomb. Mm. You know, sit down. It was awesome. I I don't know if it's been done. I'm sure it's been done somewhere, but I've never seen it. And it was just executed perfectly. And, you know, we talked about this before. Like, I really like watching Andrade work. That guy is phenomenal. I don't I can't believe they messed him up, but they do that with all these NXT guys and they yep. come up, they don't do much with them. Like he's a main event guy. And he's a main event act with, with Selena Vega. Um, he's so easy to book. He's so easy to make a top guy. Like it just, it just, it's frustrating. But let's hope that they're finally getting behind him. I hope. And um, this series of Ray has been fun. Um, I like. Then it looks like they're going to be continuing it. So, and then this this show basically, you know built to the rumble so you know he had Samoa Joe come out he interfered in the match so the winner and then Joe cut a promo but that's right when he was saying he's gonna win the rumble out comes Randy Orton gives him the RKO which got a huge reaction and it was a pretty cool it was a pretty cool moment so I, re- I really liked how they did there they have 23 guys and I think really 22 if Cena is really out of the match and so you got you got room for eight and you know there's gonna be NXT guys I hope, like, the, the NXT guys that I want to see, obviously, Velveteen Dream, Aleister mm-hmm. Black, Johnny Gargano, guys like that would be great if they're in it. I want to see Ricochet in it, and I want to see Matt Riddle in it because 
I think those two guys are such superstars, and I think their charisma comes off the screen that this is like a perfect way to display them even if they're not going to be in it for a while, but I would actually have them both do very well because you can kind of see like, okay, like these guys, you know, they, they come, they, they, they look great and they look like they should be here. Like, I want to see how that looks with, you know, the main roster guys. I'm pretty confident that Velveteen's going to be in it. And Ricochet, Ricochet would be another good pick. Ricochet, um, Riddle, all the guys you mentioned would be fantastic. Yeah, they should definitely do that. So, uh, like you, I think I think it's Seth's uh, rumble to win. Though, I heard uh, at some point last week Drew McIntyre was like the betting favorite. I would imagine that would have changed by now, but um, but it's possible that you know I don't, I don't see him actually main eventing WrestleMania or being in a title match at WrestleMania. So I don't really think he's going to win, but I mean, the guy's amazing. So if he did, I'd be all fired up for it. I think you, um, you, I think you saved Drew for after Rollins was the title at WrestleMania and have someone for him to program with, you know, to to chase Seth. That's that's what I would do. So on the other side, uh, we have, um, uh, the women's show or the women's rumble. Uh, actually, you know what? One thing that they, they, they keep teasing this, uh, you know, our truth is the 30th guy. <laughs> I made sort of like a wild prediction that uh, Becky somehow finagles her way into the guys match. Now, I, it's it's sort of hard. You can't book her to win because they're just just it wouldn't work that way. So I kind of hope that it doesn't happen. But being that. You know, she continually calls herself the man. I could see them putting her into the match uh, and, and you know, getting eliminated. But, like, just being in the match for her to say, you know, look, I, that's why I'm the man. I, I went and fought in the men's Royal Rumble. So I, I, I kind of hope they don't do it. But I think it'd be something that's sort of up their sleeve as far as what they would do as a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. See, I think something's going to happen with that spot. I still think. Truth doesn't come out, and he shows up on Raw thinking it's a rumble. <laughs> I could just see them pulling that, or he runs, or he runs out as number thirty for the women's match, and he's like, "Oh, my bad." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be funny. It'd be, it'd be cool if, if if this is Roman Reigns' return. You know, like, God, that would be the, so crazy. He doesn't have to win the rumble, but you know, it'd be definitely a, a great moment. And if it is him, what a great finals it'd be with Roman versus Seth at the end and mm-hmm. Seth winning it. You know, that'd, that'd be pretty cool. So for the women's side, uh, Charlotte is obviously a favorite. Uh, Becky and Oscar are both in a, in a match together. So it doesn't seem like they would be in it. Um, you know, you always have, uh, uh, Ember Moon, Natalia, they're probably going to bring back some of the some of the favorites like they did last year, but I sort of feel like um, a little bit of steam is off of this match by not having Becky in it. So maybe she does find her way into this match too. I mean, it's quite possible. You know, they can do anything that they want, mm-hmm. but uh, it does feel like Charlotte is is the favorite here. You know, Nijax is is in as well. Um, and you know, I would lo- I would love it if Shayna, you know, if Shayna came in, uh, and uh, even even you know uh, the other horsewomen too. Like that'd be kind of fun for them to kind of just you know kind of take over a little bit. Uh, but 
you know, with no Ronda, no Becky, no Asuka, seems like the steam is off this match just a tad. What, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, the, last year was the first time, so it was special this year. Um, not as special, and probably because, you know, yeah, Ronda's not in it. If Ronda was in her first Rumble ever, that'd be, so, that'd be something. I think this is Charlotte's match to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's hope they also give us a nice finale be nice i don't know who um maybe a sasha i think sasha was in it last last time so maybe like a natalia would be kind of cool um or someone or something else or maybe maybe a, a shana baszler would be cool you know or or, or an eo or or tony storm like i'm mm-hmm. sure those girls are going to be in it oh yeah be, i think instead of going with the nostalgia route and you can have like a like a couple like maybe two or three it'd be cool to to see like some of the the you know the, the NXTs or NXT UK girls like this would be a good spot to debut Viper, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it'd be be a smart move to do that here, and and so yeah, it's it's always fun to see the surprises. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they have planned. What what do you think of uh, Daniel Bryan, the and AJ Styles? Now obviously they're going to have a really good match, but just in the build-up to this one, it's been way more about their personalities, about the mm-hmm. promos. Like, to to think, right? Like, back, you know, back in, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, to think that they would have a program where it's way more about their personalities than it is actually about the wrestling match would, would kind of be a little out there. But, man, Daniel Bryan has been so good with these, like, I mean, he's he, he's you could probably think like okay whatever he's talking about the you know the the champion of the planet or whatever and you know the the all the stuff about the you know (laughs) driving a car versus riding a bike like all that stuff it's it's kind of silly but he just it's it's like he this guy probably believes in like 85 percent of what he's saying so it's actually pretty cool the way that that his presentation is i i tweeted the other day I was saying that, you know, Daniel Bryan's delivery is like almost like Jericho-esque from like 2008. Like when Jericho was just on fire, he's in the suit. He's doing his Nick Bockwinkle impersonation. And uh, I, ho- I hope he keeps the title because he's so much more interesting to me than AJ Styles as champ. And I, j- I just want to see what he has next. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, definitely would keep the belt on Daniel Bryan. Um, I like what they're doing. I think it's. I think it's. We already know they're great wrestlers. Yeah. You know. Eight, you know. So let's let's feature their personalities more, and then and then with that, with the segments they've been doing, they're not wrestling as much on TV. So it makes it more special when we watch the big matches on the pay per view, right? So I'm cool with the what they're doing, and uh, I could you know I can see Vince be like, hey, we know you guys are great wrestlers. They know you're great. Let's get let's talk let's get some some development with this these character development here to build up your these great matches that you're gonna have. Yeah, uh, do you expect Finn and Brock to have a good match, or do you think it's gonna be a little bit more of a squash style? Um, this is a tough one because I would like to see it go the direction of the Brock Daniel Bryan match, but we just saw that. Yeah. Right? Um. You know Paul Heyman respects Finn Balor a lot, so I can see him, you know, 
working with Brock to give make it a good match, but um, I can also see Vince being like, we need to get him stronger, right? So, yeah. Let's crush him. So uh, it's it's a tough one, but I, I'm actually excited about that match. I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward just because I want to see what they're going to do. And if they had this, if they let them have a good match, they'll, they'll definitely come through. I, I, I do hope they do a little bit of a swerve because I want to see um, our our uh, our buddy Dave Dutra send a, a, a tweet going like, "Ah, oh, Brock's gonna squash him again," and then all of a sudden it, it turns out to be a good match. Because that's what, that's what wrestling is, right? Like you, you're just you're you're on this wave of emotions, and Dutra knows what he would like to see, and if he doesn't get to see it, he'll be disappointed. But then they kind of swear, you know, it's it's a surprise like when they actually do have that good match. Yeah, yeah, but you know, like they said, they just did the Survivor Series. So, will they do it again? I'm not sure, but uh, I like Brock's matches. I do too. Um, I mean, I'm I get tired of seeing the same old style, the same old moves. It's it's nice to see a guy that just smashes and crushes. I've been watching um, in between a lot of other stuff. I watch. I've been watching uh, some All Japan from like the '90s, and it's just so refreshing to see a wild man like Stan Hansen go out there to like full steam ahead and just being wild and crazy and just, you know, like I miss a character like that. And Brock is, you know, he's, he's a unique, he's different than everyone else. And I think he's my vote for, you know, best brawler bruiser Brody award this year is definitely Brock's my number one. So, I mean, who, who's better wild and brawling than him? Maybe he's maybe Minoru Suzuki, but I think Brock takes the, takes the, takes the trophy this year for that. What would you think about? Because uh, I think I think I, I don't even know if Braun is in the Royal Rumble, but um, having him sort of not 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 necessarily interfere, but just distract Brock. So, because I think it'd be cool if uh, Finn like hits the hits the coup de gras like seconds into the match. And it takes the fans sort of on this, like, oh, shit, like, you know, this could happen. I think doing stuff like that could be interesting because I think, I think you know, other than that, I don't think anyone thinks Brock's going to win, uh, Brock's going to lose. But if you can kind of create these little moments of surprise, um, I, think, I think it could be a fun match. Uh, and if you don't want to do that, I would rather see the squash because I would rather see Brock Strong, like you said, but if you can incorporate these like small moments of underdog babyface and get the fans rolling, uh, when you know, like I said, we we know that Brock's not losing this match. But if you could just like for that half of a second go, oh no, they're gonna, are they gonna do it? Like that's kind of what you know what what what's fun about this stuff. But uh, so uh, the other, I guess the title matches for the women: Asuka, Becky Lynch, Ronda, and Sasha. Uh, I would expect the Oscar Becky Lynch one to to have a little bit more heat just because Becky's been on fire uh, and Oscar's you know Oscar's great so I think that I think that'll be good but I'm interested in in the uh, Ronda and Sasha Banks because I don't know if you saw the the rating uh, for Raw this week but man not good and that whole the whole third hour was built around. Ronda and Sasha and I thought I thought it was fine like I thought it was good like they they had some you know Ronda was pissed at her Sasha was pissed it was kind of like you know 
you're the newcomer. Like I've been here, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's a little bit of not, not saying that there's a little bit of reality in there because I think Rhonda's very well respected for what she's, she's done in her career, but you know, just a little bit of like, Oh, you're just, you're here to take my spot. Well, I got to prove that, you know, I deserve to be here. I like that part of the angle, but you know, the TV viewers did not stick with it. And, and I really wonder what spot they put this match in on this show. Probably somewhere in the middle, I would think. Like, probably, what, probably before the title match with Brock and Finn, I would think. And then the, and then the men's rumble. I think the women are opening up this year, right, the rumble. Because last year they ended it, which is, you know, it's the first time ever. And yep. That made, that, that made sense to do. So this year they're going to open up with the ladies. And then, yeah, I can see the Rondas going match just before Brock and Finn. And after that will be the men's rumble. So, But could yeah, you so argue, because you and I have been talking about this um, pretty much since last year's WrestleMania ended, which is if Ronda and Charlotte and Becky, if that's the match, if they're going to end WrestleMania... Do you just put Ronda, who you are banking on to help main event the biggest show of the year, do you put them behind Brock? I would. I mean, I, I, that's what I would I would do. I would keep, keep the focus on the men this year. Definitely. Definitely. Last pay-per-view, we had it all about the women anyways with the uh, – with the the TLC match, so yeah, yeah. it's 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 good to to kind of give a good balance. So I, 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 if I was if I was it, it was me, and I had the final say. Next events, <laughs> I, uh, I would say you know, go with the men first because you got to put some attention to the to the men because you've been focusing so much on the women, and that's great too. I just I just think they need to balance it out. Uh, okay, anything, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm not really watching TakeOver uh, weekly, but five-match show, all five matches, you know, actually four out of the five sound like no-brainer, like great matches. I think the one that could be a little tough is Shayna and Bianca Belair, but I'm sure they have great ideas for it, and uh, it'll it'll be good enough. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll be as good as the other three, four matches. Probably not, but... Uh, you have Ciampa and Aleister Black for the title. Like I said, Shayna and Bianca Belair. Undisputed Era versus War Raiders for the tag titles. Uh, Rick Shane, Johnny Gargano, which is probably the match that I'm looking most forward to. And then we will get the Riddle and Ono match the la- last time that they were in the ring uh, on, on the, the previous NXT. It was like a 10-second a match or whatever. <laughs> what What are you looking forward to on this one? And, and uh, you know, I'm sure... Like me, you expect this to be great because all the NXT takeovers are great. I just look forward to the whole takeover show. I mean, because they're always so damn good. It's mm-hmm. the best, you know, main show in the United States. You know, every time, every you know, I just look forward to it, and um, I'm I really enjoy the tag tag team of Undisputed Era. So looking forward to that match. Um, Gargano Ricci is going to be really good. Um, I'm not. That hot on Alistair and Champa. I mean, I know it's going to be good, but maybe because we saw it live in yeah. San Jose, and I'm not the biggest Alistair Black fan. He's haven't really cooled off on him. I, I do like watching Champa work, though. Yep. Um, I'm always interested in Shayna's match. Um, I I think I think it'll be pretty good. Um, Would you open with it? 
No. No. Would not open with that. Because you remember the, la- the last time uh, she had to follow a really hot match, and it seemed to hurt it a little bit. I know, but I would I wouldn't open with it. I I would open either with the tag titles, or Riddle and Ono. Like uh, the, you know, mm-hmm. definitely open with that. Uh yeah. So uh, it's gonna be a pretty crazy weekend. Uh, you know, my my Saturday. I think it's going to be so just done. I, I, I think I'm going to, if I have any plans on Saturday, I'm going to have to get them done early in the day. Cause from like four o'clock to midnight, it's going to be in front of the TV watching all this stuff. It'll and be fun. Gotta, It'll be fun. And you got to do a podcast. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, un, unsure yet, but, uh, but that's always a possibility on a crazy night like this. Uh, okay. So let's actually, talk about um our review of raw but before we review episode three we kind of got to talk a little bit about royal rumble 93 because it does happen the day before it comes from sacramento it is uh, bret hart against razor ramon for the title razor ramon's working on a bad knee which is pretty prevalent throughout the match uh it's gets it gets a little tweaked um and that and that in addition to the rumble are, are the two big matches uh, but one match that I was the most intrigued in and the one that I wanted to ask about most with you, because just knowing the way that you think about this stuff is this, this, this show opens up with the Steiners against the Beverly brothers. And this is the Steiners. Like it's not their WWE debut, but it's like their first big match. If I'm correct about that. And, um, I don't know. I just wanted to see like, the WCW Steiners of hot move, hot move, hot move, Steiner line, tilt a whirl, Frankensteiner done. And this was like a longer match. It was still good. I thought it was still a good match, but it was competitive. Uh, and, it, you know, I don't know what it was like nine minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. And I think the crowd reacted well to the Steiners, but I just like, I wanted them to debut so hot. And I'm watching this match going like, why are they selling? Like, I just want to see them do like, you know, their power <laughs> moves. Like what, what did you think about it after? I, lo- I love this match. I forgot how good it was. Um, uh, you know, the belly brothers, Mike Enos, Wayne, the train bloom. They're so underrated, especially Mike Enos. Like Mike Enos didn't have the personality Wayne bloom did, but I mean, Mike Enos is such a hand. He's such a good worker, but even you got the Steiner brothers. I don't know. Where, I don't know where you're, I mean, you got all the big moves. You got shit, shit. You got <laughs> Rick Steiner dropping uh, Mike Enos on his head. You know, uh, Bo Beverly. So they, you know, here. Um, I really like the cutoff. I like the cutoff where uh, Scott Steiner tees a Tiger Driver and and Wayne and Train Bloom. I, I had to call him by their other names. I can't call him by Bo and Blake Beverly <laughs> for some reason. I like the you know, the big clothesline. I love the hot tag. You know, like Scott diving for hot tag. How you? When's the last time you see a cool hot tag like that? And then the Frankensteiner looked freaking fantastic. Spiked Mike Enos on his head. That was, that was crazy. But you know, it was a perfect opening tag match. This is like uh, Royal Rumble was like all of a sudden starting with what 1991. Like featured a really good opening tag match, and you know, I think that was the Rockers and Orient Express. Then it was like the new foundation, Orient Express, and here is the Steiners versus uh, 
the Beverly Brothers. I, I like. I, I thought it was a really good tag team match. Uh, I, I some of this is hindsight, right? I know what the Steiners run in WWF becomes, which is to me a disappointment. And I just wanted them to like. I wanted them to. You know, they're not. They're not. They're not the Road Warriors, right? They're they're a different style. But also thinking about you know the Road Warriors in a sense in WWF were not allowed to get over the way that they were allowed to get over in the NWA uh, because they were always you know the WWF has this certain style of how to book baby faces and it just seemed like if you could actually let a team you know run over another team in like five minutes. I thought that would have been a better way to to get them started, but again, like there's nothing wrong with the match. I, I liked it, and the, and the Beverly Brothers are really good, but it's not like Vince was doing anything with them either. Like it's not like they were, you know, a top tag team at that time where they had to be fifty fifty with the, with this you know new badass tag team that you just brought over. Uh, I don't know. I just I just sort of liked them to be a little bit more impressive. And yeah, the Beverly Brothers are also disappointing in WWF. Like, I think they're definitely miscast that these rich, rich guys, right, or something like that. It's basically what they're supposed to be. These rich, rich, I don't know, rich kids from like Beverly Hills. It's just like they, like they should have been the Destruction Crew from the AW. I know it's not a Vince gimmick, so we had yeah. to change it up. Yeah. But like, make them badasses, you know, like because because they, they were in. And they put him with the genius, and he was a promo guy. But then you, you kind of take the mic away from Wayne Bloom, who's a pretty good promo. And they used to have this great act in the AWA, the dying days of AWA. They were the, the, probably the, the, the only thing that was worth watching is, like, you know, Eric Bischoff would be interviewing Wayne the Train Bloom and Mike Enos, and he'd ask Mike Enos a question, and Mike Enos about to talk, and Wayne, Train, Wayne the Train would always cut him off and say, don't worry, Mike, I got this. You know, and so it was just always like a cool thing, and I just wish they would have continued it. I can't believe WCW didn't pick these guys up. I don't know how they they had them on a loaner from AWA in 1990. They wore hoods as Minnesota Rescue Number Two, and uh, and they worked the Steiner Brothers because you know the Horsemen were hurt, arm was hurt, only mm-hmm. wasn't wrestling as much. And it's like, how did they let these guys get away to the WWF? I would have signed these guys up. Hey, when you guys get available after your AWA contracts. You're coming here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we also had Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, which had the uh, the Sherry involvement. And the problem here is that whatever they were trying to do with the storyline and wherever they were going to progress it, they couldn't eventually go there because like literally the day after this match, Marty (laughs) Jannetty is either suspended or he's fired or he's gone. And so, you know, there's this kind of this holdup around, you know, Sherry gets hit and uh, and and, you know, the, the way that the match ends, it, it, I would say it was a good match is probably a little disappointing in the eyes of like a 2019 wrestling fan who has never seen this match, but just knows about the history of the Rockers. Like it wasn't it wasn't like a classic in any way. They would have uh, a better match. Um uh, I think it was on Raw, right? It was. It, it would be on Raw. Uh, yeah, in July. Yeah, July of, of this year. That, I mean, of uh, 1993. Yeah. Uh, and they also uh, the return in May of 93 too. So they have really two really good matches this year coming up. So Mario does come back. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so that match happens, and and you know a little bit of a history 
uh, sort of trivia thing is is so after the uh, af- after Royal Rumble, they do a TV taping for superstars in San Jose. So the Raw that happens on the next day is actually taped from the week prior. I think we talked about that. But on this superstars taping is the first time that Michaels comes out to the music with his own voice as the uh, as the track as the vocals for or the sexy boy song so they was there they they had taken the the sherry's vocals away and uh, they debuted with uh, with sean's vocals so you were at that you were at that house show tv taping i mean sorry you were at the tv taping the superstar tv taping yep sure was it was a long night but a memorable night none we'll talk about that more as we get to when we cover raw uh so bam bam bigelow and the big boss man this match was not good. Lots of rest, lots of, you know, basically a waste, squash, really waste, waste hold stuff too, though. Um, and, uh, I, I think like I, I was trying to, you know, we were only two raws in at this point, but I don't even remember this being on the rumble report with mean gene. Like, I don't remember this being hyped at all. So when I was watching, rewatching the show, I was like, God, where did this match come from? I don't even remember it. This basically was just a squash to get Bam Bam over, and, and, he, and Boss Man's, you know, one foot out the door, you know, soon in 1993. So um, this is uh, definitely, I mean, I mean, Bam Bam just be put, is just being put over strong the whole match. You know, you know, Big uh, Boss Man has the moments, but really, it's just to get over, keep, you know, heating up uh, Bigelow. Yeah. Uh, so, the, <laughs> excuse me. The, so Bret Hart, Razor Ramon. Pretty good match. Uh, I think Ramon is definitely, or Scott Hall is definitely bothered a little bit by the knee. Um, and uh, they don't have uh, that sort of classic Bret Hart match, but I thought it was still pretty good. And uh, and, and it's it's sort of, um, so it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's Bret winning, winning clean with his submission hold and, you know, getting him ready, ready for WrestleMania. Yeah, I know. It, it was a really good match, I thought. And, you know, knowing that, you know, Razor Ramon had an injury going into this, a uh, pretty severe one. Like, I mean, I knew you could tell it was taped up, but, I mean, he looked, he looked, he looked good. And I like what they did with the promos before. Um, there was a cool, like, backstage promo with Bret Hart and Mean Gene, like him about to go through the curtain. I thought that was a nice little twist in what they normally would do. And, and you know, what they're, they're, you know, what they had, their production at the time, so that kind of made things stand out a little bit. And then uh, um, Brett was, you know, Brett it was fantastic. Ra- you know, Razor, you know, got those punches. I forget how great those punches are when he throws them. And uh, it's a solid matter. I like the creativity of the finish. It's the sharpshooter. That was uh, pretty neat. And, uh, yeah, solid performance. And then end up having another good match later on in the year, too. And then the Royal Rumble, of course, which is... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> which is uh, Yokozuna. Uh, and we, you, you kind of talked about this last week, which is Macho Man going for the pinfall and then yeah. getting eliminated off of that. But I thought the match, uh, it opens pretty nicely, right? Because Rick is number one. Uh, Bob Backlund, for whatever reason, is the guy who lasts the longest and... He doesn't really do anything this entire match, but uh, you know Rick, Rick is Rick does a good job. But the second Rick gets uh, eliminated, uh, it kind of like it just is in like this lull 
mm-hmm. until Yokozuna comes in. Because once Yokozuna comes in, you're like, okay, this is this is on. Because Heenan, uh, Heenan, right before Yokozuna comes in, maybe like one or two guys before, he's like, oh, by the way, Yokozuna's not in this match yet. He's still in this match, right? And and so he's he's like kind of hyping him up. And when Yokozuna comes in, the match is is pretty good again. And obviously with Savage, when Savage comes in, he's kind of a ball of fire. So it's it's good in the beginning. It's pretty decent in the end. But man, there's like 30 minutes of nothing going on in this whole thing. And then smack dab in the middle is the Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez spot, which is one of the worst debuts in the history of wrestling. Like, could you imagine like you, uh, you know, you're Vince McMahon and you have Eligante come in and this is the way that you debut him. It was just like mind boggling that they did it this way. I mean, I don't mind how they did the attack. I don't mind that. It just, why in the hell did they give him that bodysuit and fake fur? Like why, 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 what did you say? What did you look at on the, you know, on the on the paper when you drew this up, saying this is gonna look great and gonna get this guy over? No, 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 no. Yeah, I think my favorite moment, uh, you know, outside of the two things I just mentioned was Yokozuna and Earthquake. They go toe to toe, and Yokozuna is pretending to be a sumo. And Earthquake was a real sumo, so that was kind of a cool moment, you know, to you just to sort of like think about the reality of that situation right there. Uh, the what about the uh, the youngster Carlos? No, I was about gorilla, to say that Gorilla Mars. <laughs> a lot of lot of fire in this youngster Carlos Cologne. It was cool to see Jerry Lawler because this is Jerry Lawler's first pay per view in WWF. So I remember it being excited to see Jerry Lawler in the Rumble. I mean, he didn't really do much or didn't stand out, but it, I as me. When I watched it originally, I remember, oh, cool, Jerry Lawler's in there because I was such a big Lawler fan. Uh, and, you know, I think everyone knows this, but this was the first Rumble where the winner actually got a title shot. So there was definitely, like, um, you know, you know, there were some real stakes, but when you looked at who was in that match, and, I mean, we could go through all the guys right now, but you're like, okay, Flair. Now, if you knew Flair was leaving, then you knew he had no chance, but Flair maybe Lawler, like you said, perfect. Uh, you know, Tenru wasn't going to win. He's not, a, you know, he's <laughs> not a WWE guy. Um, Undertaker. Um, and then like literally Yokozuna and Randy Savage, like those are the only guys yeah. who you looked at and were like, okay, these six could win. And I think that really hurt the match because when you put that stipulation in, that this 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 guy is gonna go to main event WrestleMania. And you're trying to think of matches like okay, Bret Hart against Ric Flair. Okay, it's a great match, but they're doing that like at every house show around this time. Bret Hart against Jerry Lawler. Well, that's actually kind of cool if the, you want to play up Jerry Lawler uh, because he's sort of like this you know this this historic figure in wrestling. Um, you know, Bret Hart and Undertaker. Fine, like that that works. But then when you get down to it, and you're like Randy Savage. Okay. Yokozuna, I guess Yokozuna, and you know, little did I know as a you know how old how old I was, sixteen or whatever, that it was like the massive Yokozuna push at this moment. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was a little. I mean, I was disappointed after this match was over. It's like really Yokozuna and Bret Hart. I just don't know that that's your WrestleMania main event. 
Yeah, I lost a lot of money on Samu. I thought he was gonna <laughs> win. <laughs> That's both both of them, right? Both of them. They got dragged by their hair into the ring and slapped in the face before they got in the match. How are we not talking about Lex Luger's debut? Come on! Now. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about it because, uh, actually, I shouldn't have forgotten about it because I even posted to the fight uh, the <laughs> fight game blog um, Instagram page the, the shot of him in the mirror. But you know what? I, when I was watching this, so the crowd like didn't care at all, which is kind of surprising because he's like literally like okay, he did have some time off because of the injury. But like prior to the the previous WrestleMania, right when he um, when when they were talking about it, um, he's like right off of like you know WCW champion for you know for all that time for that eight ten months or whatever it was, and then he goes away and he's doing the WBF stuff and then he comes back for this show and it's like I'm like wow that's Lex like Lex is back this is cool. And the crowd like didn't care at all, and they would even care less uh, on upcoming WWE TV. Like, did they just did, for whatever reason? Maybe it was the way that he was he debuted. Maybe there's the narcissist angle. Whatever it was, they just thought he was like go away heat. I actually thought the narcissist gimmick was pretty fitting for him, you know, and it's probably a rib, really. I know because you know because you know, Luger is such a you know arrogant guy, um, so. I really thought the the presentation was good. I thought his promo was really good. I the pro, actually, the promo was really strong. I'm surprised they never built up. Uh, I know they did some matches in the house show, but I was just when I saw this, I remember thinking, "Oh, they're going to do Brett and Luger like, mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. on a on a major pay per view," and they never did that. And they just, you know switched gears on him and you know turned him up, you know babyface. But uh, I thought the I thought they never, you know, I didn't, I didn't, of course, like you, I didn't expect this whole Yokozuna thing to come out, right? Yeah. I didn't expect it, you know, and then um, if they weren't, if they didn't have that plan, I think Luger would have been a guy that, that definitely could have been in that spot. I think because Luger's always better as a heel, really. You know, he's just a natural heel. Um, so, yeah, Luger, the, narc- the narcissist gimmick. I, it took me a while to get used to when I was, when I first saw it, but now looking back, I, I think it's a, it was a fitting gimmick for him. It just, they kind of, they kind of went away from it cause they had their rush to create a new baby face. So the, uh, the set that they built for him to do this posing routine in the mirror where Bobby, Bra- Bobby, the brain is just like, got like, it was a weird, weird thing for him to just be like, I can see why you love yourself. Look at those <laughs> thighs. Like, it was like this weird this, thing for This for should him. have happened in the middle of the ring. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know why it was, like, in that, you know, Brother Love's set in the and, arena. And the, they, they were setting up the set um, before one of these matches with that. It may have been the Boss Man match. Um, did, did this Was this right after the Boss Man uh, Bigelow match? Yeah, because I think it was no. I think it was no. It was right after the uh, the title match. Okay, so the, the, they used this to cool the crowd down a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, rumble. like they they were like putting the set together during the match and stuff. So I think a lot of people were kind of like live. Were like, what's going on here? Um, but on the na- on on the set, it says Narcissus. Then <laughs> they call him the narcissist, and like I don't know how many weeks later. But it's just Lex. Like, he drops, like, the whole nickname thing, and it just becomes, 
you know, the the narcissist Lex Luger. And then I think just Lex Luger, like they, they kind of dropped uh, the, the narcissist thing. So they, they were they were unsure about what they were actually going to call him here. And they changed it a few times. And that I mean, that should have that that sort of foretold just how how uh, the run was going to go. Like it just started off so badly. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it didn't go with Narcissus. Narcissus is cooler, but uh, Lex Luger is is, is is the way to go. Too bad they couldn't call him the total package. You couldn't get that guy. But, you know, WWE is all about creating characters. At this time, everyone had to have a, a gimmick. So, um, and they came up with, like I, thought, like I said, I thought it was a fitting gimmick for him. It just didn't work out. And then Main USA, Lex Luger also didn't, work. <laughs> it also didn't work out for a lot of reasons, not just because it didn't fit him, but it's just the way they booked him too as well. Yeah. Yeah. He, eh, he doesn't have the, he didn't have the charisma to, to be that character anyways. No. I don't think. Uh, okay. So let, let's go to raw. This is one of the, um, probably uh, as a match, one of the most famous raws, um, in the, in the early era, I, I don't know how many people who watch Raw today would even know that that this Raw happened because it's been Raw's been on TV for so many years. But I remember uh, it was kind of like the the Raw that I would say people hearken back to in the early years when they were like, "Ah, oh, this was my favorite Raw because of this match." And uh, Alan Forel, I told him that that we were on this Raw, and he was like. Uh, let me let me get his actual quote. What he sent me. Uh, let's see. What did he say? He said, "Oh man, loser leaves town." I remember being aghast at the blood. So like that's his memory. As a, a Alan was probably like, "Gosh, I don't even know. was I, was he like a couple years old or five years old or whatever." <laughs> but um, but uh, but yeah. So. This Raw is, you know, and they would heart, you know, when they when they started like really marketing Raw, like when Raw comes into its own and they're like marketing Raw as like this long time TV show and they do anything history like this match is always like on the best of stuff. This Ric Flair against Mr. Perfect match. They marketed it for a whole week. We talked about last week how the end of the episode two is like Flair screaming and perfect coming out and them like going to the back and fighting and then flair coming back out and and uh built up really well um so the start of this start of this show because there's no macho man because macho man is in the first match it's heenan in his spot no real reason given that i can remember except that you know they need a third guy and bobby heenan is so good on this show. It's just like, holy cow. Like, like why was he not on, you know, for the first two episodes? And I think the thing that, that shows his value is Rob Bartlett is serviceable in this show because Heenan is on it. And you can even hear Bartlett. Like he's just cracking up at all of Heenan's one-liners. Like he's just laughing. Like part of his, his part of the commentary is just him chuckling at Bobby. So, uh, so I thought, I thought that was great. Heenan being there just made it feel like that, you know, obviously he made it feel like flair and Mr. Perfect was like, just going to be so important. And, and you needed to stick around for that whole hour. And um, plus his connections with flair and perfect too. So absolutely. And how he played into that storyline. So it was good to, you know, he's always so passionate his commentary is always so not only entertaining because he's funny and 
But like when he gets, you know, when it's his guy wrestling and he's doing the commentary, like he's so behind Flair and he wants to just perfectly out of town. And he's just like just every hold and back and forth. He's just so in it. It's great. And it's so cool that Bartlett doesn't even say anything during this match. Yeah. Even makes a man even has to like bring it up that he's not saying anything. Hey, yeah, and then he just goes like, "That's oh, one of the it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen." And like that, yeah, watching like, guys it. kill each other. Yeah. But, uh yeah, it, it's it's definitely a memorable raw. The reason why it's so memorable to me, and I was talking about this last week, I was you know teasing it, is that because I went to the TV taping, um, so you didn't see it live. Day. Yeah, so I did not see it live, but I knew about the match, Flair and Perfect. And I wanted to see it, but I had, you know, I want to see live wrestling much more important, right? Yeah. So my dad took me to go see it at the event center here in San Jose. And out like third second or third match of the of the, the broadcast, they had some dark matches. Mr. Perfect comes out and I just slump in my seat. And my dad's like, What's wrong with you? I'm like, Ah, oh, Mr. Perfect won. The loser leave town. I'm not gonna see Flair's not gonna be here. That's only reason one of the main reason why I went is to see Ric Flair live. I never seen him live. Yeah. And I knew I'm not gonna get Ric Flair, which was a bummer. I just remember being totally bummed, but I was it made up I mean in some ways because I did see Lex Luger's first WWF wrestling match. Well his first TV two, day. right? Because he did yeah. two matches. He did two matches and I saw Giant Gonzalez's first match. I saw um I saw Brett versus Bam Bam was the main event, which was a good match and you know, it was, it was a fun night, but, like, I just remember being bummed out that I didn't get to see Rick Flair live. And I, that's why every time I see a clip of this match, I just remember that moment at the event center, at the Superstars taping, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, so, I think just in general, now, if you if you just have – and this this is just TV in general, right? When you're creating a TV show – it's going to have stuff in pop culture that is that time frame. But when you rewatch it and like, look, a lot of this stuff is not meant to be rewatched. Like some of these sitcoms from the nineties, like they weren't created with the idea that they were going to be evergreen TV shows. Like you watch them at the time frame, and, and, and that's where, where they are. But Rob Bartlett uses so many pop culture references from 1993. I can't imagine anybody who is not around from 93 to really know what he's talking about. Like he does like a Rush Limbaugh impersonation mm-hmm. and just like these little one-liners about things that are going on. Um, and it's like, I'm like even thinking back when like, okay, what did that mean? Like, what was he talking about? So, you know, this is not his fault at all because that's kind of what his job was, but it just on the rewatches, it makes it really weird to try and like, what, what was so funny to him about this moment? Um, what about Bobby trying to set up Vince to say something bad about Hillary? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Vince was he was he was quick. Yeah, the yeah, Hillary was... Clinton stuff. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Um, so the first match is uh, Savage against the Repo Man. Now this was just built off of Savage getting jumped at the beginning of the last show, and uh, you know it's it's I, I'm not exactly sure <laughs> what is totally the reason for it because savage is in the is in the he's the last guy to get eliminated in the royal rumble um i think it was just to kind of get a hot start on this tv show but uh you know i, I think it was 
you know, just a normal match, nothing fantastic, but you get to see Savage do like a fantastic elbow off the top rope uh, to win the match. And then uh, Rob Bartlett with like a blue line hockey reference as far as, you know, I think scored from the blue line or something. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, kind of a, a interesting idea, I think, for them to go, OK, well, what happens if if we start one of the shows with something hot and it becomes like this story long angle and then we open up the match the next week? Like, do viewers come back? I think like that might have been the idea. But uh, as far as, you know, whether or not this was because I don't think they ever feuded after this, did they? No, this is definitely to build up the next you know next episode's rating yeah uh to, to keep people interested to tune in next week uh just classic stuff there um it was it was a good match you know um it was funny because after i watched this raw i was like i don't want to watch next so i kind of tuned into like the first episode they just posted of the superstars uh-huh and repo man's on that and <laughs> like <laughs> and he's like slim and you know i think it was just right before right when they started testing for steroids you know and here he's just like in ninety January ninety three he's just like bloated up like he's yeah, just like yeah he's just like really out of shape. I mean he worked hard though he was like you know he did some he's still working hard and flying out of the ring and you know and uh, you know he's under a savage show and then he knows it's a big match in front of Vince and, and it's on live TV so I mean well not live for you know quote quote live but uh, you know he worked hard but uh, that that gimmick is so. <laughs> such a bad gimmick i understand i know vince likes to give guys fresh gimmicks but i hate when they don't reference their old character just it yeah just makes us, yeah just makes us look stupid yeah like i don't know why he couldn't have been some kind of version of demolition but a, a better like some kind of like on his own i mean it's just so should not be you know the story about the rebel man gimmick right i just assumed it was from the movie from the mid to late 80s no 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 um there was an independent wrestler out of Florida named Nasty Ned Brady. And you might have remembered him, if, like I do, because I'm a nut, from doing like a lot of TV jobs um, in the Florida for WCW and WWF. So like, apparently he sent in this gimmick as a repo man. And Vince liked it so much that he gave it to – I think he might have gave some money to Ned Brady and gave it to – Gave it to Smash Barry Darso, so that's the that's what happened there. So yeah, I had no idea. I always assumed it was the uh, Emilio Estevez movie from like the mid '80s. It was just I, I never saw the movie, but I always saw I always remembered the uh, the video box, uh, the cover, uh, and it's called the Repo Man. That's all. The movie is called Repo Man. I didn't even know what I didn't even know what a Repo Man was, and then I saw him come in using this gimmick and i was like oh just like the movie yeah yeah and then they, the, the, the outfit's horrible the mask the, <laughs> the lone ranger mask is horrible oh my gosh <laughs> uh so the, they're go obviously the day after royal rumble they're going into hype mode for wrestlemania and so you know i was i talked about the fabulous four um podcast that doing and i are doing about uh that that era of 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 Boxing, you know, the welterweight, and then they would eventually go up to middleweight. But this mania is at Caesars, and Caesars was a big stage for boxing. Um, I think it was uh, Leonard and Hearns 
Number two was at Caesars. There was, an, I think, I think maybe at Leonard Hagler too. But there's like, you know, it's a famous place for boxing, and so Leonard and Duran in '92, I think. Uh, no, I think it's too late. No, so uh, actually, no, no, no I, I think I have it mixed up. I think Leonard and Hearns uh, in '89, they 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 switch from Caesars and they go to the Mirage. And they have the fight there. And four years later, Vince's foray into Vegas is going to Caesars when boxing had sort of like not moved on, but that, you know, it, it, it in a little bit made it feel like Vince like didn't know that, you know, there was these other hotels that are having these boxing matches. So that's the first thing I thought about because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading that era of boxing and uh, and and uh, the uh, the the guy um, who's the, who's the big hotel guy the win uh, win the win I think Steve Win I think the Mirage is like one of his new hotels at that time so it's kind of interesting just that you know the Caesars is a little bit played out for boxing but that's where Vince goes for WrestleMania um, and so there's a there's a Kamala and a Brooklyn <laughs> Brawler match which. They show the turn, the the face, the baby face turn from Kamala, where Slick saves him from Kimchi. I always thought this was really weird, like, just it never fit for me. And I thought Kamala, when Kamala was like at his apex, was like the run with Hogan. Like I was like, that's a scary Kamala. <laughs> like babyface Kamala who just comes across as dumb is not a good Kamala. And so that's what we had here, where he w- works with uh, Brooklyn Brawler and Slick is in his corner. Yeah, this match was the only cool about this match. I thought was how hard Brooklyn Brawler was working. He was definitely working very hard. And it's funny because Kim Chi is Brooklyn Brawler, so he continues to oh, work yeah. with oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kamala. I thought this went way too long, the whole like him not understanding how to pin someone. Oh, trying yeah, to get the crowd, so dumb. Trying to get the crowd to go along with it. I think the crowd was actually played along really well. It just went too long. Same thing. I think they could have probably fit another little match in this hour. Yeah. But because like Repo Man and Savage definitely went way too long, mm-hmm. way got good like five minutes too long. Actually, it'd been nice to see Savage go in there and just whip his ass, yeah, and, and and pin him and take his hat back, right? Yeah. So and then he could have did put a little another match in, but yeah, this this right here just way 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 too long, and I'm glad I was glad when it was over. And I hate to say that because I really liked Kamala. I worked with Kamala once. To, nicest dude ever so i don't want to talk bad about his matches but this was not this is just uh, just way too long and it just didn't work you know babyface kamala is not gonna work babyface slick it's not gonna work and it didn't so bartlett's uh best line i think in in three shows is during this match where kamala comes out and he goes oh it's nell carter (laughs) (laughs) and i mean you it doesn't fly today like it's not a joke that flies today but uh, I was a big give me a, give me a break fan mm-hmm. back in the day, and so uh, who's on that show uh, in the later years is uh, Joey Lawrence, who then becomes a little bit more famous by doing Blossom, and so uh, there's a new season of Celebrity Big Brother, and who is on that show but none other than a jacked out like forty five year old Joey Lawrence. <laughs> 
And then there's this great timing of, of him calling out Nell Carter because I was I was such a big I was such a big give me the break fan, uh, give me a break. Uh, and so um, the other fo- the funny thing Heenan has a really good line here too, which is Kamala's like trying to like not pinning and then this does this weird thing where he holds Brawler's leg uh, up in the air and like puts his hand on his foot and and that's the way he pins him and Bobby Heenan goes. Oh, a great Roman Greco move! Uh, great, great Greco-Roman move from Kamala. <laughs> I thought I cracked up at that one. Oh man, yeah. This. Oh man, it's so funny how this was sandwiched between, uh, Repo Man and Savage. I know. And, and Flair and Perfect. So, uh, so Flair and Perfect. Now, this match starts. Uh, now, obviously, I'm not watching with commercials, and so the the uh, the WWE Network version of the show is 44 minutes long. This match starts at the 23 minute mark, so you're talking 21 you know minutes left in this show. So you know you're going to get a long match, and you know that by getting a long match, it's more than likely going to be good. Uh, and and it was it was it was a really good match. Um, Mr. Perfect does some like weird boxing like in this match that I thought was kind of out of place. I was like, mm, okay, not not smoother necessarily. Uh, Flair like instead of grabbing like the normal steer, steel chair, like he chases him with like a chair like that you would have at a dining room table. I thought that was a little weird uh, as well. But um, you know, it's just they they have the classic Ric Flair match. Uh, perfect, uh, perfect uh, is, is opened up. Uh, as he goes to the outside. Um, and, you know, like you said, Bobby Heenan's commentary is all about, it's sort of like the 1992 Royal Rumble commentary. It's all about, you know, be fair to Flair. Anytime Flair's, you know, close to losing, he's going out of his mind. You know, even they're, they're both in the outside and it looks like they could have a double count out. Heenan's like, oh, well, that means like he doesn't lose, right? Like, and so Heenan is creating, like Heenan's like, making the stakes even higher than, than they possibly are for like a one week build. Right. It's not like they built this loser leaves town match for like several weeks and this big payoff. It's like a one week build. And so Heenan is like working his ass off to make the stakes just as high as humanly possible. Yeah, it was good. And you know, it's a one week build, but one, he's close to flair and perfect. He knows, you know, Flair wants to put a perfect over strong, right? On his way out. Heenan wants to get perfect over, you know, keep continuing to get him over because, you know, he's going to end up feuding with what, Luger after this, I believe. So, um, yeah, no, they, they, they worked really – that bump, that <laughs> that perfect took to the outside, mm-hmm. and then that's when he cut himself. That was nuts. I thought he was going to – I could I totally forgot about that bump, and I was like, oh, my God. I just – I popped again seeing it. Uh, there was a weird, like, miscommunication between Flair and Oh, yeah, Perfect. yeah, yeah, yeah. And all it was is that, uh, you know, it was a sleeper hold. Perfect went to go for the sleeper hold, but he was going to do the sleeper hold where he wraps around the guy's back and, hold, you know, and rides him like a, like a backpack and then, the, and then goes down with him. But Flair thought it was going to be like him grabbing the sleeper hold, standing up. <laughs> so he wasn't ready for Perfect to jump up, and they kind of just crashed down and... And, you know, and then and they recover fine. You know, they, they stop. They kind of pause and start back up. And then, you know, Flair hits the belly back reversal. Basically, it was all going to be one quick spot. It was going to be 
perfect lock it in the in the in the sleeper and then flair is going to quickly reverse the uh into the belly back suplex which he does all you know he does a lot in his matches mm-hmm. so it just it just didn't come off that way but you know they're pros and they they, they recovered uh, really well so um the blood it was interesting seeing the blood on perfect not flair mm-hmm. in this match that was unique um I, it, it was also weird that he he took the bump to the outside and that all of a sudden he came up bloody like I don't remember Flair posting him or anything. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So that was that was that was that was kind of weird. But uh, he gives some good blood and and some good drama. I love the finish um, into the perfect plus. I thought that was just, just sweet. Um, it was a good match. That definitely still like it still holds up. So um, the uh, the finish is perfect plex, and uh, and and he wins a match and. I don't know if you. I think you, you probably caught this because we kind of talked about the idea that Flair leaving WWE TV and then soon to be going to WCW TV. You know, the idea that he's losing on WWE TV before going over there is kind of like an interesting idea. Like, you know, previously when you would lose in in uh, before you leave the territory, like it's not on TV. Like no one's watching this thing, and now. You know, I, I think this show did like a two eight rating or whatever. So whatever that means for households. But uh, Flair loses, and uh, Vince McMahon on the uh, you know uh, on the way out goes, "It's all downhill here for Ric Flair." Like, <laughs> what a dick! But uh, but hey, well, that know, that's I, how you do it, right? I, I think actually, I think Vince McMahon and Flair had a great respect for each other, and Flair had that deal with Vince. Like, if you weren't gonna use me on top. I would like my release and go back to WCW or whoever, right? Obviously, it would be WCW. And, you know, Vince was true to his word. And I think uh, I think also, like, with allowing that to happen, I think he's like, hey, can you, do you mind putting over Perfect on TV, losing on your way out? And, he's like, and, then, you know, and Vince, and Flair's the ultimate professional. He's like, yeah, definitely. And I'm just glad to do it, and especially for a guy like Mr. Perfect, too. So I think it worked out great for everyone. You don't think it hurts Flair at all going back to WCW having lost that match? No, no. I think people, the WCW fans were excited for him to be back, and it, it, I didn't. I, I mean, as a fan, then I watched both products. It, I, I, I didn't think so. I was just happy Flair being back at WCW. Yeah, I think that was that was how I looked at it too back then. Um, so the only thing announced for episode four, I, I don't imagine we're getting the three great ones in a row but it's a typhoon and doink that's the only match oh. announced for next yeah. week <laughs> yeah what a what excitement that's gonna be Oof. but i mean doink is coming off of beating the crap out of crush right so he there's some steam on him and uh, what's interesting is and i didn't i didn't think about this at the time but uh vince kind of gets blasted in the newspapers because uh, you, you'll remember this name. So there's a football player whose name is Dennis Bird, and he had just gotten injured on uh, in a game. He played for the Jets. And so he is, uh, I think he goes out on a stretcher. Like there's, there's a, a spine injury or a neck injury or something, and Dennis Bird is like, you know, there's obviously there's worry that, you know, he's paralyzed. And so... The 
Dennis Bird injury is uh, end of November, and the crush and doink angle is taped on uh, December the 14th, so just two weeks later. And so the the writer was basically saying that, you know, Vince McMahon is the scum of the earth for, like, using that Dennis Bird angle to get something over because Crush goes out on a um, – he goes out on a stretcher as well. So it's kind of interesting because I didn't even really think – I don't remember if I even thought about that at the time when it was happening that Vince was possibly copying a real football injury. Yeah, no, I, I missed that too as a kid. I definitely definitely put two and two together. Um, so not really much news. I mean, we talked about the stuff at Superstars and then Marty Jannetty being being uh, either fired or suspended. Uh, but uh, the only other thing is so, you know, I mentioned last week that Davey and uh, Davy Boy and the Ultimate Warrior were both fired right around that same time uh, near the Survivor Series. So Davey at this time, Davey signs with WCW. So he's going to start uh, there. But um, the Royal Rumble comes out as the lowest buy rate, uh, with the exception of this Tuesday in Texas, which was, you know, a different style of pay-per-view was done on a Tuesday night, you know, not not really hyped except for, you know, a week or whatever, um, or actually less than a week, five days. Uh, and and so, you know, we, we mentioned when we first started reviewing Raw that WWF is just as cold as ice and and it just shows more that they're in a transition period and you know they're post Hogan now they're post Flair Savage is a little bit he's not like uh you know working all the time um Jake is uh is not around so like all the guys you know Sid Vicious Warrior all those guys are pretty much gone and it's like Brett Taker Perfect Razor uh, soon to be Yokozuna, take yeah, I said take her already, but like that's kind of like the new generation of what WWF has become, and it's it's a rough start to this new generation, and uh, you know fan base is not super uh, accepting of it from a selling ticket standpoint now because of Raw ratings are up, but ratings are not up to the point of like where you're like wow, you know Monday Night Raw is like this brand new hot show, and uh, you know it, it is also a work in progress, so. Interesting time period, and as we'll see uh, with the build to WrestleMania 9, um, they do actually go back to Hogan, right? Because they, they sense that, like, hey, this thing's not that hot. You know, we're, how are we going to sell this thing with, uh, you know, Brett and Yoko and Perfect and Luger and uh, I don't know what, what the third match, uh, Taker and Gonzalez. Those, those were the three, I think, the three most hyped matches of the show. And then Hogan comes along to kind of save it a little bit, I guess. I don't, I don't know how much Hogan uh, helped out the, what eventually became the buy rate, but uh, I would assume he was a, you know, he was a big part of whatever the increase would have been. So, you know, kind of a, an interesting time, and and that's part of why I think it was fun for uh, a fun idea for us to do is because, you know, this is a WWF that has had for the first time since really going national that they're in such a downfall yeah it's very interesting and it's and they you know, like every new generation it takes time for people to get with it so i they you know but in 1993 both wcw and WWF were cold so wrestling was down so um east of the united states so that that's definitely uh, a transition time and it's been fun to see 
look back at these at these matches and and what they're going to do coming up and they have to go back to Hogan and how that's like a big flop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget. I can't believe how what a flop it was, and I never forget how shocked I was after the finish of WrestleMania, and which we'll get to <laughs> in a few weeks. I just remember being like, I was. Well, I'll talk about that, but we'll talk about that. But I just remember being like, I was dumb. Like, I wasn't <laughs> with it. I wasn't with it at all. Yeah, uh, the one uh, I don't like that show very much, but. Second, Alan Forel mentioned uh, Alan Cunahan. Uh, second mention for him on this podcast. He really likes that show. <laughs> like, like <laughs> when we ranked in, you know, come WrestleMania time. I'll talk about this a little bit more. But I also ranked all the WrestleManias. But this was with help of, you know, the guys who who uh, who write with me. And uh, Alan was like, I like WrestleMania nine. So he 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 enjoyed it. I, it. Probably because a lot of it was like this is a new WWF. Um, so I know we are, we are, you know, sort of long on this, but I wanted to give you the opportunity. We haven't done the what's John watching segment in a while, but you sent me a tag match from Russell one from late in, uh, December, 2018. We, 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 you know, we talked about AEW and them signing the strong hearts and you sent me a match that I was able to watch, uh, earlier this week with the strong hearts. And uh, I kind of wanted to know a little bit about like what the backstory was, and and you know how the the, the Infa, Infantes in uh, how do, how do you say the 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 other the other t- the other team? Infantes ter- ter- Terribles. Infantes Terribles or yeah, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I you know good match. Uh, we have it linked in the uh, the fight game uh, podcast. Uh, Google or I'm sorry Facebook group which if uh, you want to join that you know just just join it and we'll accept you and uh, the, the John posted it and, and you know a couple people talking about it but yeah just break down that match because I thought it was a pretty pretty fun match uh, you know 10 uh, 10 man tag and uh, and just uh, you know 20 I don't know it was like 23 minutes or something but that was freaking awesome basically the Infant ter- uh, Terribles, they are the WrestleMan heel group. So when Stronghearts came in, they're like this heel group taking over. Wrestle One, they're going to prove that superior. And then so they've been kind of running rough shots. And all of a sudden, the top heel group now is stepping up to face them. So, and which which features the Wrestle One ace, Shotaro Shino. And they just had a, you know, so now it's the heel group, top heel group against Stronghearts. And. And it's just a fantastic match. I mean, I love the beginning. The brawling all around the ring, you know, all around the building makes sense. Um, the crowd heat's great. The intensity is great. I, I, I enjoyed the stuff they did in the match to build certain spots. I, I, I probably wouldn't have done, like, the the bit of the comedy spot with the big men mm-hmm. where they would do the body slamming everyone on top of you know, the other. I, I think they could have done something different, more of, like, them two going at it, showing their power. Um, against each other would have been a little better, a little more, a little more intense than the body slam stuff because they kind of got a chuckle and I feel like out of place a little bit. But other than that, like I thought the match was fantastic. And uh, Ashino, you know, finishing off Seema in the end was was a fitting end because they were kind of on the losing end of the stick. Wrestle One was, mm-hmm. and then so it also gives Wrestle One a big win. Because it's continuing, and of course it builds to the next show, which is uh, the big match between Ashino and T Hawk. 
and for the title, which has been posted. I'm waiting to watch it, so I can't wait to watch that on the big screen at home because I heard that match is fantastic too as well. So, I, I mean, I get this match five stars because I thought it was just off the hook, had a great pace, um, and the crowd heat was, was fantastic. Uh, what did you think of T-Hawk? He was uh, the one with the big chops on the strong hearts and the, the, the muscular build. No, I mean, they're they're all really good. Like, the, the hard part for me is, like, I don't really know the mm-hmm. background and I don't know the history. So I'm just sort of watching as if someone would watch any any match that has really no understanding of, of what's going on. Um, the chemistry was, was great. Uh, I liked... I like the fact that, uh, you know, there was a sort of a clear purpose for everybody in this match. Like sometimes mm-hmm. when you have like the 10 man tags, it's like you can tell, you know, and you could tell who the top guys were. But um, I thought like everybody had a had a purpose and it wasn't just like, oh, you know, it's just these two guys. And then, oh, yeah, here's the three other guys on their team. Like I thought everyone had a purpose in this match, which which was pretty cool. And it's kind of hard to do, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah that, that- that's what I liked about it. It's so well laid, laid out, and there's a lot of layers to it. And also built to future stuff. Like, there's some stuff with L. Lindemann. He's the one with the blonde hair on Strong Hearts. And Kodama, who's, like, the, the junior champion of the group. And they're building up. You can tell they're going to build up to a singles match, right? And then there's, of course, Ashino and T-Hawk building up to their match. And then there's uh, uh, Juna Tokido, if his name is. He's the... He's, He's not with that group, Infant Terribles. He's fighting for Wrestle One. He's been entrenched in this pro- feud with Stronghearts, so he's like joining them to, to fight Stronghearts. So they're, you know, even though they, you know, they, but they respect him because he has a lot of heart. He's just, he's still just a young kid, and he's, you know, he had a win over Sema, a big upset. So he's always been a thorn inside of Stronghearts. So he. So there's that feud that's continuing. There's uh, the tease of the big man, you know, um, that Chinese uh, uh, guy from o- uh, OWE. Um, it's very green, but great size on him, right? And um, you can tell, like, they're definitely guiding him in there. The strong hearts are telling him what to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, there's a lot of cool, like, matches building up and, 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 and continues this program. And I hope it goes for a long time. And I hope... Uh, they stick around wrestling because they definitely strong hearts are definitely added to their attendance and and help them and increase because wrestle one has you know they went down for a while they had to rebuild they had to replenish with their homegrown talent and they have a lot of great talent that's like in their early 20s so you know they just got to you know continue to grow their fan base i think it was a great idea to bring the strong hearts group in and 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 it's worked great. And I think to me, it's one of my favorite feud of the year. So, um, one of my favorite feuds of the year. So I kind of want to see them keep this momentum going in 2019. Sweet. So, uh, next week, uh, we'll have episode four raw review, and I'm sure we will talk about all of the, uh, aftermath coming from the Royal rumble. Uh, there is, possibly some news coming out about conor mcgregor that we may have to talk about at some point in the near future uh and and you know all that stuff you know there's there's never a slow week when it comes to talking about you know all all three sports and 
And, uh, and yeah, so we'll be back next week uh, talking about all that stuff. And uh, so for John, this is Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.